The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Shortly, we'll be talking with Debbie Weil from Voxy Media, but first, it's time for the news and notes section of our show. Companies and brands you'll hear about today, Chobani Greek Yogurt, Snickers, Pepsi, Dollar Tree, and A&P. The news brought to us by Just Food, Bloomberg News, Supermarket News, Pet Food Industry News, and Specialty Food. California has adopted what are said to be the strictest limits in the U.S. on the use of antibiotics in the animal husbandry. The bill, signed into law by California Governor Jerry Brown, outlaws the routine use of antibiotics in livestock to prevent illness or promote growth. Widespread concerns regarding the use, the overuse of antibiotics, both in human medicine and animal rearing, has led to growth of so-called superbugs resistant to the drugs and has prompted countries around the world to introduce limits on their use. The new California law, which comes into effect from January 2018, prohibits the use of antibiotics to boost growth in commercially raised livestock. Meat producers will only be allowed to administer the drugs with the agreement of a vet when animals are ill or to prevent infections when there's an elevated risk. However, they are forbidden from using the drugs in a regular pattern. Brown said the law addresses an urgent health problem. He said, the science is clear and the overuse of antibiotics in livestock has contributed to the spread of antibiotic resistance and the undermining of decades of life-saving advances in medicine. Recently, American poultry producers have shown leadership by voluntarily committing to better husbandry practices and eliminating the subtherapeutic use of antibiotics. This is an example of the rest of the livestock industry that they should follow. A number of the manufacturers, retailers, and food service operators doing business in the U.S. have made announcements on the use of antibiotics this year amid rising consumer interest. Pepsi is reportedly vying with arch-rival Coca-Cola to invest in Chobani. The U.S.-raised yogurt maker has driven the rise of Greek yogurt market in the country. Reuters, citing unnamed sources, said the soft drink giants were in talks to buy into Chobani, which has been weighing expressions of interest from suitors wanting to invest in the business. Chobani is looking to sell 10 to 20% of the business, including warrants owned by private equity 
equity group TPG Capital. Beyond PepsiCo and Coca-Cola, other companies are in talks with Chobani about investing in the company. The yogurt maker last year secured investment of $750 million to fund future growth. Officials at Chobani, Coca-Cola, and TPG in the U.S. could not be reached for comment. U.S. produce group ReadyPack Foods has launched their ready-to-eat salads under a brand new brand, Elevate. The products are single-serve salads that are non-genetically modified and are organic and gluten-free. The products are single-serve salads that are non-genetically modified. There are eight varieties in the range, including kale superfood salad, which has ingredients including organic chopped kale with non-GMO raised chicken without antibiotics and quinoa. Also, other salads in the collection include USDA certified organic, NSF gluten-free certified, and non-GMO project verified. Other varieties include blue regula, as well as organic recipes such as organic power grains, organic nutty cranberry, and organic spinach pow. With Elevate, our goal is to create something innovative that speaks directly to today's health-conscious consumer at an affordable price. Growing consumer demand for minimally processed foods has helped U.S. manufacturer Victoria Fine Foods secure distribution to 400 cities in California and Florida. The Brooklyn-based company said nearly 2,500 stores in the two states will soon be listing its authentic kettle-cooked pasta sauce. The natural and organic trends have been established in the past 15 years, which have morphed to the point that consumers now have a more holistic view and are appreciated or appreciation of real food ingredients. And that happens to suit our brand as we've remained true to our ingredients' first approach from day one, said Don Davey. Chief Strategy Officer of Victoria Fine Foods. To highlight the natural appeal of its products, Victoria recently redesigned its packaging, underlying the fact that its sauces are gluten-free, non-genetically modified, and with no sugars, colors, preservatives, or artificial ingredients. Mars Inc. has unveiled a raft of snacks and confectionery products for the U.S. market, including Snickers Crisper at the NACS trade show in Las Vegas this past week. Snickers Crisper combines cream crisp rice and peanuts topped with a layer of caramel and coated in milk chocolate that will be on the shelf by December. Snickers is the top-selling and fastest-turning item on shelf, so shoppers will be eager to pick up the new Snickers Crisper, said Tom LaBelle, vice president of sales for the company's Mars Chocolate North American division. Confectionery is the category's most responsive to good merchandising, according to LaBelle, so secondary displays are vital for retailers. Other new products unveiled by Mars include combos, baked snacks, chocolate fudge pretzel, including a fudge surrounded by pretzel shell, which will be launched next month. All the products will be available via all retail channels in the U.S. China will remain the driving force in global container trades for years to come with scant possibility of an alternative region emerging to challenge its dominant position. There is no doubt that China is slowing down, but Asia is responsible for 50% of all containerized ocean exports, and China exports are larger than the rest of Asia-Pacific combined, and it remains central to any rebound in global container trades. China is undergoing a continuing slowdown in exports, imports, and overall GDP growth in the period from 2007 to 2014. China's compound average growth rates for 20-foot equivalent unit exports and imports were 3% to 7% respectively, compared with 18% and 16% from 2000 to 2007. Despite the slowdown, China will remain the single most important market in global container trades for 
years to come, who noted that while the much-touted Southeast Asian region is enjoying high average growth rates and relatively high volumes, it lacks the scale and scope to become a China replacement and have a significant impact on global growth in the near to long term. Stung by the disintegration of A&P, CNS Whole Foods, CNS, I'm sorry, CNS Wholesale Grocers confirmed it's laid off a small percentage of its workers in sites throughout the country. In a statement provided to Supermarket News, the Keene, New Hampshire-based wholesaler also cited changing consumer patterns and retail channels shifting for triggering the restructuring. As a family-owned company, we recognize the impact this restructuring will have on our employees and their families. Unfortunately, the reality of our industry is that we have to make changes, including the difficult decision to restructure some of our core functions and reduce our workforce. NP, which did retail sales of $5.5 billion in the fiscal year ended in February and bought approximately 65% of all goods from CNS, declared bankruptcy in July and is selling off all its stores, many to retailers with other wholesale agreements. Dollar Tree said Tuesday it plans to rebrand its Deals banner stores with 217 becoming Dollar Trees and five converting to Family Dollar by the end of July. Dollar Tree acquired 138 Deals locations early in 2006 and subsequently expanded the banner to 222 stores across 19 states. Dollar Tree said it's on track to convert at least 150 Family Dollar stores to the Dollar Tree banner by the end of this month. Now that we've completed our acquisition of Family Dollar, we're confident we can better serve our deals customers and markets through one of our primary banners, Dollar Tree, which offers tremendous values for needs and wants at the single price point of $1 or Family Dollar, a neighborhood discount variety store that provides name brand and quality private label, private brand consumable products at everyday low prices. The natural and organic food business is big in the Northwest, and all that food has to be distributed somewhere. Starting later this year, a big chunk will pass through the new industrial development known as PDX Logistics Center, where Kehi Distributors LLC has signed a lease for an entire 383,000-square-foot building. The Chicago-based firm, which already has distribution facility in Clackamas, provides natural and organic, specially and fresh products to natural food stores and groceries across the country. Cahey is rapidly expanding in the Portland area and needed a new state-of-the-art distribution facility to accommodate that growth. Since the building was chosen during the construction phase, Cahey was able to customize the building to most efficient support the customers and create productive environment for the employees. Amazon has launched a new sales platform for artisanal products. Handmade Amazon, Handmade at Amazon is an online marketplace for handmade items such as Etsy. The new shop features products from 5,000 individual artisans across six launch categories, including kitchen and dining. Although the retailer is yet to introduce items, food items among its offerings, the kitchen and dining section features handcrafted servingware, bakeware, kitchen tools, linens, and decor. All items must be made by hand and factory free. The new platform gives small producers huge reach within existing Amazon users, many of whom are different from those who use Etsy. In light of the Natural Pet Wellness Month in October, Just Right by Purina recently conducted a survey to find out what concerns dog owners have about their dog's health and wellness. PSB conducted an online survey among 900 dog owners in the U.S. for the right food for their dog to order survey findings nearly half of dog owners surveyed agree accusing the right food for the dog is the most difficult part of pet ownership half of dog owners surveyed say they think about the dog's nutrition more often than not 
More than half of dog owners surveyed and nearly 7 out of 10 millennial dog owners surveyed agree that their dog's nutrition is more confusing than their own. 70% of dog owners surveyed agree the dog food they select mostly fits their dog's needs, but it's not the perfect fit. Almost one in four dog owners surveyed say they felt overwhelmed with the choices available at the last time they purchased dog food. One in four dog owners surveyed estimated on average they spend more than 10 minutes in the dog aisle, if you can believe it, deciding between the different brands. And nearly four out of 10 of millennials say they spend more than 10 minutes, again, when asked what they'd feel more comfortable with their dog food. 57% stating they were interested. Whole Foods Market has set a partnership and investment deal with restaurant operator Mendocino Farms that will lead to opening of restaurant outlets within some of the retailers' units. The information was disclosed by Mendocino Farms in an exclusive interview with the nation's restaurant news. Tapiro would not disclose terms of the investment, but said the partnership will help the 11-unit sandwich chain build infrastructure as it expands into the San Diego and San Francisco Bay markets. As part of the deal, Whole Foods plans to test the opening of Mendocino Farms outlets in select market locations. Haynes Celestial is starting to sell an organic infant formula, Earth's Best Organic, in China throughout its joint venture with Chinese pharmaceutical group Hutchinson. The joint venture business, Hutchinson Hain Organic Holdings, will see the Earth's Best Organic brand look to take on the Euromonitor claims of 16.5 billion infant formula market in China. Hey, folks, it's time for a short break. We've got a very, very special guest. Debbie Weil from Boxy Media is going to be joining us shortly. Stay tuned, everyone. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. 
Welcome back to Ditch the Box, ladies and gentlemen. Foxy Media is a boutique imprint and publishing services company for business and non non business and nonfiction authors. In the, is the brainchild of Debbie Weil, a graduate of Harvard. Debbie is a web pioneer and veteran blogger. She is published author and international speaker. She was named one of the most influential women in technology by Fast Company and a DC Top 100 Tech Titan by The Washingtonian. Sounds impressive, but the truth is she has struggled with self-doubt, procrastination, and defeatism all her life, particularly as it comes as it relates to writing. Despite that, she wrote one of the first and most definitive books about business blogging, The Corporate Blogging Book. Published in 2006 by Penguin Portfolio, her book is also available in a new updated edition for Kindle. That means it can be read on almost any device, including iPad and smartphones. Debbie has been quoted as an expert on corporate blogging in the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, Fortune, Business Week, CNN.com, and many other venues. She was written in The Guardian, The Huffington Post, and numerous other publications. She founded Boxing Media because she's passionate about books and because the publishing revolution means that ebooks are what come after blogging. She believes in short, rigorously edited, and beautifully designed books that get re- quickly into readers' hands. Short books can be spread important idea can spread important ideas and make the world a better place. Boxing Media also provides consulting to help authors write short books and to navigate the new world of self-publishing. Prior to founding Boxing Media, Debbie worked with Fortune 500 and small business clients ranging from GlaxoSmithKline and HP to American Camp Association and the Maryland Association of CPAs. Her focus has been content and social media marketing, specifically how to launch a successful corporate blog. Debbie is a former journalist with corporate marketing excellence. She holds an MBA degree from Georgetown University, a master's in journalism from the University of Wisconsin, and is a graduate of Harvard with a degree in English. Joining us from the coast of Maine, Debbie Wild. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Boy, that was that was kind of interesting to hear that. I think about who is that? I want to I want to meet her. Yeah, who um, is that person? My goodness. <laughs> no, if I can always... paint a picture of a writer creating the next great novel that would have their old typewriter, you know, the old uh, Xerox or whatever with those those old ones were pounding away at the keys with a heavily stained coffee mug, maybe a dog or a cat asleep on the carpet all while looking out their window to see the ocean or bay nearby. What our, what our listeners don't really know is that's you, Debbie. You are living on the coast of Maine, and you frankly have got a story to tell. How did that even come about? Well, uh, David, that is interesting. And, of course, you, you've uh, known me for several years, so you know I lived in Washington, D.C. for over 30 years. Right. And right. about two years ago... Um, uh, I, I say persuaded my husband, well, we kind of made the decision together to uh, ditch it, if I'm allowed to use that expression. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, he left his medical practice and basically moved to the coast of Maine and, and reinvent ourselves. Um, interesting, I did not ditch what I was doing, as it was Vox right. Media and book coaching and editing, and I, it's portable, I took it with me, but um, it's a very different life up here. It's a very small place. Um, we're both... Um, gotten very involved in the community and um it's especially beautiful in the summer but it's also beautiful off season and truth be told we're not here every single week or not every single month in the winter we cheat a little bit we (laughs) we leave but um you're laughing but you know i know i know but i've Uh, seen it and i've seen the pictures and it's absolutely breathtaking had you traveled there before was it or did you guys just kind of like throw that dart against the wall and say it's going to be maine no, no, that's a great question. No, we've actually been coming to this neck of the woods for 
40 years um, oh. during the summer. So right. uh, we actually had a little summer cottage here. It actually was a winterized summer cottage. And realized, well, you know, if we're going to pick up and uh, adopt a, a less costly lifestyle, it would make a whole lot of sense to go and live in our little summer cottage and um, sort of take it from there. So that's right. so we definitely had a connection here. But it's been very different being here year-round. You get to know a lot more people who are here, locals and others, and um, and you feel much more part of the community. So, no, we definitely had a connection, though. So. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Deer Isle, Maine, uh, near um, Penobscot Bay. Um, it's a big peninsula. It's an island, really. And then the next one over is Mount Desert, which is where Bar Harbor and Acadia yeah. National Park is. So we're all in that neck of the wood. Ugh. Man, I am so jealous, but you are my inspiration. I'm coming to join you at some point because I think Maine is absolutely breathtaking. Breathtaking. Okay. And good for you. Well, you're going to come and at least take a hike. So we'll work yeah, on that. exactly. Now, you mentioned before, and I was reading a little bit of um, what we were talking before about um, a kick-ass business book is the ultimate calling card. Um, and I agree with you. Share with our audience why you feel that way, if you will. Um. Well, you know, sometimes I call it the 3D business card. Um, so I guess I am talking about a print book. But, uh, you know, a book really is, um, books are not dead. Print books are not dead. And a, a book is the time-tested way to show that you are the expert. Right. And it doesn't really matter whether you're the only expert or the absolute top expert, but if you put in the effort and the time to write and publish um uh, you know, a, a good-looking book that's nicely designed and really nicely um, edited. Right. Um, you know, you, what you're doing is it, it, it's, it's just absolutely a win-win. I mean, you're positioning yourself in the eyes of your colleagues and your clients as someone worth paying attention to. You know, you're a published author, and that just has a ring to it, and that hasn't changed, even with all the changes in the publishing world. I mean, you're an authority you're worth listening to, and if you think about that as being... You know, step one of connecting with uh, with clients and customers, sure. it's pretty potent, pretty powerful. Um, as in, you know, come, you know, look at my, you know, here's my book. Take a take a look. What questions does it uh, prompt you to ask? Um, you can know me, like me, trust me, and then and then take the second step from there. So it's just it's time tested, and I think we would all agree there's something. I'm, in fact, I'm holding your book right now with the beautiful red <laughs> cover right in my hand, and there's just something really um, very you know viscerally sort of strong about that. Well, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, because I obviously I've kind of come through your your world, and you've been so instrumental in helping me finally get that done. But you're absolutely right. The book business a is not dead, but there's something. Well, let's face it. This 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 world that we live in right now is is different. It, it changes by the minute. And um, having something that's unique and different, like a book, like a book that's printed in my hand that I could give to somebody. And an ebook is great. And I know we do all that kind of stuff, and, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something about that that in your hand saying, "Listen to me. I've got something to say to you." And it's just not everybody can say that they have that. And um, you're right on in the fact that a lot of people just run from it or they just don't understand the importance of, of, of a written word. You know, I wonder about that, David. Is it that they don't understand or they somehow do understand on some level, but they just um, 
are too chicken to, to try. Well, and I, you, you hit me. It's a very yeah. difficult thing to do. It is, you correct. Know, and, it's intimidating. Or they're too lazy. Or, um, right. What do you right. think? Well, I, you know, and I'm with you on that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of it because it's not easy. Um, it's definitely intimidating because a lot of times, I mean, I had to learn firsthand that, um, you know, it's sometimes we have to check our ego at the door and kind of go, wait a minute, this is why I've had you helping me with this. And like you said, initially having something rigorously edited, um, it's such a, you know, sometimes it can be a little intimidating. And in this world we live in where everybody wants to be the man and, and say that I've got all the answers, um, you know, sometimes that's a little intimidating. And, and you raised a good point. It's not for everybody. And also I think um, the stumbling blocks, you know, in, in front of, most people, let's say business owners who are not professional writers, are pretty, they're just very simple. It's like, you know, how do I start? I, I don't think I have enough time to do it. Um, you know, what exactly would I write about? How would I write about it? I mean, that, what happens, those are simple questions, but they're very big questions, and I think they just stop a lot of people cold, and they just don't get beyond that. Right. Um, so uh, that's what I'm in the business of helping people do, and it's it's really... It's hard work, but it's really exciting, you know, making, making, making a dream come true, you know, making someone go, you know, helping someone on the journey over the mountain, if you will, from an idea, I've had this idea, to a published book. So that's a pretty, pretty cool thing to do. Yeah, and it's you know, and I and one of the things um, that I kind of stumbled with too is was the was the time that it takes to really kind of um, and and from experience I can honestly say that it's it's not going to be done overnight. Um, it's not going to happen tomorrow. There is a process, and and you've really kind of dialed that in. And I know we'll get to that after the break of of, of kind of your the way you do things and help coach people and really help pull it out of us in a, in a nice, gentle way. Um, and we'll get to that. But I just, it's just one of those things that um, I don't think people really understand um, the advantages of having an actual book in their hands that you can give to somebody as that, as that ultimate calling card. Mm. Well, I like to think there's enough people who do, so there'll be enough clients and customers for Foxy Media. But, um, uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, there, and also I think there has to be there has to be willingness to enter to take a long journey and be willing right. to do something right. that can be very frustrating. Um, uh, the, what's interesting, you know, about the ebook revolution is there's this impression that it's all very quick and instant. You know, like writing a blog post and then hitting publish. You know, well, how hard can it be? I mean, you write twenty, thirty pages, uh, put it up on Amazon, um, you know, hit publish, and you've got a, a Kindle ebook. Right. How hard is that? Why why does that take more than a few weeks or a few months? Um, and there are books like that. There's a lot of really, really crappy books like that. You're right. Uh, but you and I are talking about something different. Because if you want that right. 3D calling card to uh, be worth something, uh, it's it's a different it's a different animal. It's a different beast. And you do really need somebody like yourself to really, and I know I'm not blowing smoke at you, it's somebody that really is going to um, help you hone down. And I can't tell you how many times, or our audience, how many times those questions of, what do you mean by this? And what does that mean? And be very, very clear about that because your reader may not understand exactly, you know it, but they may not know it. And and that's that's a huge breakthrough for me because 
again, at the end of the day, not everybody understands my industry and not everybody understands Joe's industry or Debbie's industry. And, and we have to talk to our reader and, and write it towards our reader in a way that they'll find compelling. And I just, that's what you really pulled out of me. And I, I'm, I'm just incredibly tickled and grateful every time I see that book. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, you know, and it's the, how do you make, why should the reader care? I mean, that's really right. a big question to, um, why should the reader care? Because sometimes there's all sorts of details about a, a person's stories that just don't right. necessarily contribute to um, something useful or compelling for the reader. And, and another expression I, I love to use is that, you know, your book is a gift to your reader. Right. It's a gift to them. You know, you're handing them something that's going to change them in some way or help them think differently. Um, it's really not it's about so you. so well put. It really is a gift. That's, a, that's yeah. a really another really hard concept to get across. Um, you know, it's all you know, bollocks up inside your head. You know, you're trying to get it out of your head. And then here I come along and say, well, you know, David, really it's about the reader. What's in it for them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, comes back, that comes back to being quiet and trusting you for that, for that guidance. So, hey, we've got to take a quick break. I, I know you agree to stay with us for the second segment. Folks, stick around. We'll be back with Debbie Weil. Hang on. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You've got a great product. And it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to our third segment of the day with Debbie Weil, author, coach, and founder of Voxy Media. So, Debbie, you created Voxy Media. Tell us about that. Your website mentioned you offer an option between traditional publishing and self-publishing. Help people understand what that difference is. Well, you know, not so long ago, David, 
just even just a handful of years ago, self-publishing meant you're a loser. It meant, you know, I couldn't get a <laughs> publishing contract with a company in New York, so, okay, I'm self-publishing, I'm a loser. What's right. really, really exciting about what's happened the last couple of years is that that has flipped, and now self-publishing is um, a very exciting option for a lot, a lot, a lot of writers and authors. Um, and when you self-publish, you're basically positioning yourself as an author-entrepreneur right. because you are, it, it's, a pro, it's like a product launch. You know, you're creating this book and then you're launching it out into the world. And because of all the, the, the tools and, and the distribution that Amazon offers, and I do, again, push Amazon on um, as the best distribution channel for for the I authors agree. I work with, hundred um, percent. You, you're you're not a loser. I mean, you can stand up right there next to the big five publishers. I'll, I'll give you a couple of statistics, which are really very interesting, actually. About um, uh, let me look at my notes here. Um, all right, right now, thirty percent of book sales are eBooks, and Amazon has sixty five percent sixty five percent share of eBooks, which wow. is why we use yep. eBooks. Yep. Um, thirty. Let's see, forty percent of of the, of the dollars earned by authors from eBooks on Amazon are earned by indie or in, independently self-published authors. Huh. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, sure is. So, um, and and they this is a study that just focused on on eBooks. But so, what does Foxy Media offer? I do call it something in between. Um, we're using all the same tools that you can use yourself as a self publisher, in which you can upload uh, a book cover and uh, the actual book manuscript to the back side of uh, Amazon, and just hit publish. Um, but by using Voxy Media, you have it, so we're really like a very small boutique press. Right, right. Um, we help you do it, so that you know from start to finish, from uh, writing the book, if you want to go all the way through to publishing, we help you do it so it looks completely professional. So you have a, a great looking Amazon page that has blurbs on it and a really professionally written description of your book that makes just like the big boys buy have. it. Yeah. Like the big boys, like the big boys right. have. So what's interesting is, since we're all using the same platform, nobody really knows, by the way, whether it's you know it's Foxy Media or um, you know Penguin in, in New York. Nobody right. really cares. So that that's kind of what we what we provide, and I like to say it's um, it's curation, which is kind of a trendy word, but it's you know it's curating um, both the content of your book, the, the words, and the cover design. It turns out to be incredibly important these days, sure even if does. you also publish it in print, but even yep. if people are going to see it on Amazon. So we were a, a guide and a service, and it is two different things. I will tell you the writing of the book and then the publishing of it, right. and I'm especially interested in, in the writing piece. So that is sort of two, two different things that... Um, that I should say we and I are doing through Voxy Media, but does that answer your question a little bit? Well, it, it, it does, and I just want to actually kind of clarify some things or add to this for people that are completely unfamiliar. So you've got the, the writing of the book, if you will, but all those other kind of things between the editing of it and and you help with editing, you have editors that work for you that you kind of brought to the table for me, you kind of brought together a designer for the cover and all those other kind of pieces, parts that somebody like me, and I know there's a lot of other people out there like me that always wanted to write one to get it started. 
you know, it's one thing to write it down. It's another thing to get all those other pieces, parts in place because, you know, again, the design of your cover, like you said, is so important to make sure that you don't have these these colossal grammatical errors that make us sound like we're, you know, some truck driver from West Virginia. Forgive me for all those <laughs> truck drivers from West Virginia. But, um, you know, it's a lot of that stuff that, that we really needed to make sure that was, was cleaned up. And, and there is a huge difference, and I can see it now, between the way mine has been written and edited versus some of these others. And it doesn't mean good or bad. It just, I can tell the difference. And to me, that made that makes a huge impact. Well, I think you're allowed to say good and bad. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. All right, good I mean, and bad. Um, I agree. I mean, I'm just a bear for the, you know, for the, for yes, you the are. quality. Because I think, um, so, the, the, you know, the people, the clients I work with care about quality. They care right. about um, a great editorial product. They care about a great uh, cover design. If people don't care, they're just, you know how it is. They're, they're not, that's not a client right. for me because there are right. definitely cheaper ways to do it. Um, so, so, that, so that is what we do. We basically, it, it's interesting because, you know, you could do all of this totally on your own, and there are some self-published authors who do. They don't tend to be, they, some of them are nonfiction authors, but a lot of them are the mystery, thriller, or sci-fi, or romance authors um, who write uh, you know, a series of books and actually sell so many copies. These, these are self-published authors that they make quite a bit of money from it. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a different kind of group of people. Uh, the nonfiction authors, um, like you don't tend to sell tens of thousands of copies. Right, But right. that's okay because that wasn't right. the goal of it your wasn't book. The goal. Right. Now, what, okay, so just to add to this, one of the things that you've mentioned a few times is book coaching. Now, I know there's different pieces, parts, but, but tell us, is there any difference? Or when you say book coaching, are you talking about, you know, helping somebody with the public or with the, with the, with the writing of it and with the, all that? Is, is that what you consider book coaching? Yeah, book coaching, uh, which is a little bit of an odd phrase, but book coaching um, is everything from this idea in your head to getting out a final manuscript. Right. So, it, interestingly, the, the, what really takes the most time, and it can easily take 12 months, because, you know, my authors are busy, they're doing other things, right. um, is, is doing some writing but, and doing some more writing, and also came, and figuring out and going back over and over again, figuring out, well, what is the idea? Uh, you know, what really is your idea that you're trying to convey to your, to your reader, and what's the best way to... Um, organize it or structure it or what, what's the formula for your book. Uh, so that's, um, that it's, so basically it's very high level editing and it's guiding a writer to, uh, to, keep, to keep trying, to keep moving, right. you know, to find that, um, sort of find that algorithm and that, that, that formula that, that works. Um, so it is, it's, um, it's encouraging, it's nudging, it's offering feedback, you know, it's giving <laughs> pushback, it's... Um, yes, it is. Yes, it uh, is. It, it's a kind of editing. It doesn't tend to be a lot of get down in the into the paragraph sentence level and right. change your words around. Although, you know, I I do that sometimes. But um, because you before you get to that part, you need to get you need to cover the canvas basically. That's a wonderful right. expression. I mean, that's that's kind of what the shitty first draft or maybe right. even shitty second draft is supposed to be is to right. cover the canvas enough that you can then move the pieces around and see um, how they fit together in a way that's um, interesting, different, you know, compelling for your reader. And, it, you know, if you were to work with 
uh, a New York a, a literary agent or an, an editor in a New York publishing house. This is what they do with you, actually. It is this. That, in fact, that's what book coaching is. They kind of tell you how to write your book, and they help you do it. It's a very sort of high-level, um, well, you know, what, well, what is this really about? What, what is, for example, what is the big idea of your book, particularly right. it's a nonfiction book? And, it, and your book, I think, which what I love about Stand Up and Stand Out is it's not just about um, the pouches. It's about um, putting together a virtual company, leveraging... Right. All the, overseas the tools, manufacturing, the blogging, right. social media, the overseas, um, uh, and it's funny because you and I talked a lot about that. You know how what was the story in a sense? Because even a nonfiction book has a, has a story, right? That's what people love. They love to read stories. Now, do you offer different packages? I remember seeing uh, back in the day when I was looking around. You you kind of have a. You know, a, a, it's almost like a menu or an a la carte kind of thing. I, um, you know, a, a, a one, two, three s- step is the wrong way to put it. But you do offer different packages based upon what somebody needs. Is that is that true? I do. I um, have moved to, if I do private coaching with someone, a, a six-month package is the minimum because three months just isn't enough time. I also work with people in person um, when I'm down in New York or down in right. Brooklyn, New York, uh, where we go when we're not here in Maine. Um, and do half-day intensives that are very successful where we um, use a private workspace in lower Manhattan that has a nice big room with a big whiteboard and um, you know, dive into exactly this. You know, what is the idea? How can you organize it? What, what is your content? What do you have? What do you need to get? What need, research you need to do? So that's face-to-face. Uh, so private coaching, which is generally via Skype, Right. Uh, face-to-face, either in a private intensive, or I also do workshops now, um, which is a lot of fun. And I, a couple years ago, I ran an online program, which you might have heard about, that was it's called Beta Author. Yeah. Beta with the idea being that you could write an e-book and then you could always change it, so your book was always right. kind of in, in beta. Okay. And right. I'm going to launch some version of that again, because it is a lot of fun to do an online program and then you know, pull in, you know, interviews with people that the, uh, those who are taking the course can listen to. And uh, that, that's an intriguing way to, you know, reach more people. Yeah, so and that's, a, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but let's put that out there for a second. All of this, because we've danced around this, but let's put it out there. I mean, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you know, again, help people understand the general idea of, of what it costs if they want to do this to, 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 to really and truly write and, and produce a book? Well, I'd say, uh, you know, a realistic number is uh, 20000 basically, around 20000 maybe a little less, depending on how long it takes. Right. It's not actually that much money if you think about marketing costs. Correct. And that includes, um, you know, working with me, say, for a year, and then yep. all the other pieces that need to fall into place, the editing, the proofreading, the, the design, um, and so it is a big, it, that is an investment, but um, it can be recouped. I mean, that's another thing. This, again, the kind of nonfiction business authors I work with uh, are sometimes looking to uh, get speaking engagements. Right, exactly. Or start right. a new kind of workshop, and all they need is a couple of speaking engagements or a couple of, um, you know, new, doing new things with their business, and they've recouped that. So, again, it's... It's usually, it's always, the, the book is always sort of a passion project for most people. It has to be because it's such a pain in the neck to, to do it. It's so hard. But also there's a business reason for it. 
Uh, without no. question, and, and from experience, I mean that that whole thing. I think you were, you know, again, I, I, it wasn't a tremendous amount of money. It was something that really has separated me uh, and our company. Um, I don't think that um, anything really has had that much or, or that um, profound of an effect um, as having the book. And really, that just, well, they would uh, tell me more. Totally. They would tell me well, more. Well, it's it's really has, and we were right, we're coming up on thirty seconds left in our segment. But I would gladly gladly share with you that um, this is, and I spend hundreds um, hundreds thousands of dollars of, on marketing a year. This is by far um, the best investment by far because it really separates me as an expert, like you said from the very beginning. And so if anyone wants to talk to me about it, they can just email me at debbie yes. at com, And I'm happy to jump on the phone with anyone talk about their book idea and, in a sense, give them a little bit of um, free book coaching and um, get acquainted that way. So that's, that's pretty easy. You got it. I put down com slash contact voxymedia.com slash contact. Then I'll have all the information between your cell, um, your post office box up there on the beautiful coast of Maine. And Debbie, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. This was great. Oh, thank you so much. What a pleasure. (laughs) Folks, we've got one more segment to go, our final segment of the day. Stick around. We will be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, ladies and gentlemen, our final segment of the day. I really, I hope you did. I really enjoyed our time with Debbie Weil from Voxy Media. Voxymedia.com. You'll really love and to interact with her if you're interested at all about writing a book. She is just second to none. Folks, five myths of online grocery debunked from our friends at Supermarket News. 
The most frequent type of grocery a transaction for grocers, grocery is seeing a detail, detail, digital resurgence as top U.S. grocers are evolving to meet growing consumer demand. Although it's been available for years, digital adoption has yet to explode due to industry myths. And there are five myths I want to share with you today. Myth number one E-commerce is not a profitable or in-demand option. According to Nielsen, a quarter of survey respondents are already ordering groceries online for delivery, and 55% are willing to continue in the future. Additionally, Business Insider reported that between 2013 and 2018, online grocery sales are projected to grow at a compound annual rate of 21.1% and will reach $18 billion by 2018. Myth number two, consumers expect delivery and won't pay convenience fees. 75% of customers will choose pickup over delivery, but this has nothing to do with delivery fees. The U.S. is a commuting society and strategically located grocers make it easier for consumers to set pickup times rather than wait during a delivery time frame. According to cost of delivery, additional labor, avoiding cost of delivery, additional labor, insurance, and fuel, grocers can offer customers a profitable and convenient shopping alternative. Myth number three, e-commerce will cannibalize in-store sales. Online and in-store shopping aren't mutually exclusive. Shoppers split time between both, and predominantly, online shoppers will still purchase over a third of the groceries spend in-store. When consumers adopt multi-channel shopping, they spend 20% more with their primary grocer. Sales also increase because consumers can easily find new products online and targeted ad placements and personalized offers influence additional sales. Myth number four, grocers should limit implementation to one store in limited inventory. When offered, consumers will buy everything digitally to consolidate travel and save time. With limited online inventory, grocers force customers to look elsewhere or make an in-store trip, decreasing satisfaction and loyalty. Grocers should also launch e-commerce across an entire region to leverage regional media spend and share digital advertising best practices. Marketing for one location is not cost-effective given the limited reach, and a lack of marketing creates a self-fulfilling prophecy as customers are not using a service they aren't aware of. Myth number five, people won't shop for groceries on their phone. Across my web grocers platform alone, 38% of all online grocery sales are made from a mobile phone or tablet. Today's always-on consumers leverage their connectedness to run errands from any device at any time. Device usage patterns validate. Desktop orders spike in the morning. Mobile orders are placed throughout the day, and tablet orders spike toward the end of the day, with 84% of users ordering while watching television. Statistics show online grocery shopping is in demand, yet it remains untapped by grocers. These myths have been affecting the business decisions that could help make a grocer successful. Verified by other retail companies, convenience and ease of e-commerce is an expectation, influencing customer loyalty and satisfaction. Grocers need to cement their position in the e-commerce industry before they're left behind. And three ways to convert social media insights to real-world successes. The food industry faces a number of challenges. No other market demands consideration of so many factors from consumer demands to shifting trends, regional preferences, or competitive offerings. For each of these elements, it's important to track them in real time. 
For example, a social data intelligence company in a recent report found the interest for the paleo diet varied heavily across the United States. People in Massachusetts mentioned the diet more than three times as often as those in Mississippi. Monitoring online conversations enables food retailers to adapt their offerings accordingly. Here are three top tips for food retailers on how to use insights from social media effectively. Number one, refine product strategy by monitoring trends and trends and preferences by region. While one state's favorite favorite sweet flavor may be strawberry, it'll be cherry or blueberry for others. Monitoring online conversations about such topics from an area's favorite flavor to new trends in nutrition and breaking the results down into geographical regions allows companies to adapt their offerings accordingly. This kind of social market research can provide key insights for product teams who want to make sure the new products are a good fit for each region. These insights are also also allow grocery stores to stock the exact products regional customers are looking for in their region, helping them to cut down on costs. Number two, measure campaign successes by benchmarking against competitors. Keeping an eye on competitors is essential to ensure success of your own brand. Monitoring what others are doing enables companies to benchmark the performance of their own campaigns and products against others. This gives them a clear idea of realistic campaign targets for social media campaigns. Two recent examples of successful campaigns on social came from Oreo. After Nabisco launched its new varieties, the Oreo Thins, for thinner cookie version, hashtag was used more than 5,000 times. While the new flavor, hashtag brownie batter, was used over 9,000 times since the product was launched in mid-August. Other indicators of success include the engagement rate, meaning how many people liked or shared selected posts on social media, and sales figures, which can be easily correlated with social media key performance indicators. Number three, refine products and messaging by tracking customer reaction. Being aware of what customers think about a brand or store as its products is key to a product success. Food retailers are often can monitor customer reactions to a new product or change packaging and base further developments on the insights they've gained. Brands can also gauge reaction by seeing how often words like love and hate are mentioned alongside their products and tie these insights in with feedback from focus groups, saving time and money and research and further testing. Customers are discussing food brands and products every day on social. Social listening, listening helps retailers understand what customers and prospects are saying about both products and brands and provides a way of measuring the success of marketing, advertising, PR, campaigns, and social and online media. So to recap, the myths, the five myths of online grocery, e-commerce is not a profitable and not as profitable or in demand. Myth number two, customers, consumers expect delivery and won't pay convenience fees. Myth number three, e-commerce will cannibalize in-store sales. Myth number four, grocers should limit implementation to one store and limited inventory. And myth number five, people won't shop for groceries on their phone. Three ways to convert social media insights to real-world successes. Number one, refine product strategy by monitoring trends and preferences by the region. It's very good, very big. Number two, measure campaign success by benchmarking against competitors. And finally, number three, refine products and messaging by tracking customer reaction. 
Folks, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to Voice America and our executive producer, Winston Winnie-Price. Thanks to Debbie Weil from Voxy Media, voxymedia.com, and to my producer, Jamie Berlin. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, remember, it's your product. Package it properly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. We'll be right back.